up, strength coaches? Welcome to the very first episode of our new segment on Finance Fridays called Strength Coach Net Worth. And full disclaimer, this is not financial advice. Do your own research. Like We are simply guiding you about talking finance and outside ways of earning income because all strength and conditioning coaches, we like to learn about finance. We like to, you know, it's what people are starting to do nowadays. All right. So again, not financial advice, do your own research. But what we're going to do is we're going to bring different strength coaches on and we're going to talk about some of the practical advice that they've learned over the years, whether it's a book or things that they've done to help other strength and conditioning coaches investigate it on their own. The <clears throat> first person we had on, right? We got Amit Vora right here and Amit and I worked together for a while, shared an office and Amit is on because he is fantastic at, and whether you admit it or not, I think you're fantastic at understanding contracts and options. And I have no idea about any of this. So I brought uh, him on for you guys to learn about that. But also Amit did do some actual real estate stuff too. So if he wants to talk about that, he can talk about that. But Amit, I really appreciate you coming on and I look forward to learning from you, brother. Yeah, Lima, appreciate you, man, having me um, on the show and everything like that. I know we talked a lot um, in the office, you know, back in the day. So, I mean, we can just continue those, that conversation here. Um, but for the most part, man, yeah, so like you were saying, um, during after kind of COVID time, I think we had a lot of time to think about things um, from just a finance standpoint and figuring out ways to kind of, get some extra income for us. So one of the things from a real estate standpoint, a buddy of mine had been doing some house flipping, right? And, uh, you know, he did it down in Richmond and then me and him were talking or, you know, we looked at the Baltimore kind of real estate market and, you know, compared to looked at housing prices in this area and we're like, all right, this is a good area where a lot of people are already flipping. So we, in, you know, we, we looked into certain neighborhoods and, we're trying to look for opportunities to buy a house and then again, flip it. So that experience kind of went like this was, uh, we actually found a spot on Facebook marketplace that somebody was wholesaling. And what that means is just that somebody bought the contract of that house, right? For, you know, I believe at the time it was like, they bought it for like 30 K. Um, the contract for that house, right? And it, it was run down. It was in a, you know, in, in a neighborhood that had all the houses were uh, rented out and uh, or owned, right? So it was just that one house. So that's one of the reasons we looked at it as a good opportunity. People are living here. It was also right next to a school. Um, and this person who bought it, then they wholesaled it to us. So they had the contract and they sold that contract to us for about, I think we bought it for 45, Right. And we took our savings together, pitched together, and put it in to kind of purchase that house from there. Um, but that's one opportunity that I thought was interesting. We didn't do that, but I think the wholesale opportunity is a is you know cool aspect of real estate where you really don't need to get your hands dirty or anything because you just bought the contract for the house. Um, you you bought the house and you just sold the the contract to it. Right. You're doing the research essentially, from what I've understood, right? Yeah, yeah. Like you do the research on the deal in the area and then you essentially like a wholesaler, people get into it because it's like, hey, if you're a contractor and you build and you would, okay, you would buy the, the piece of property, 
you might be strapped on time. So you'd be willing to pay that person. Any of our strength coaches would be like, wait a minute, bought it for 30. They made the wholesaler just made 15 K. It's yeah. like, yeah, if you're a developer, you're willing to pay somebody 15 K cause you don't have the time to research the deal. So essentially a wholesaler is a researcher. I think in real estate. Yeah, I think so. And again, man, we're not pros at this, but yeah, no, <laughs> this no, is like, no. and then again, that's yeah. where it's like, how can, how can we relate this to strength coaches? It's like, you're doing the research on the area. You bring it to the expert who's like, hey, maybe this will work. Yeah, and, it, and it's great for people who have those opportunities. Like maybe that guy, I don't know what his situation is, but maybe you knew the person who owned the house before was like, hey, I'll give you cash straight up for this. And usually I think that's how it works. They'll buy yeah. those kind of houses for cash that are run down, and they'll be like, hey, I could price this up for maybe 5 to 10K more and not get any kind of have any issues with it and just sell the contract to the lease of the house and everything and then – they make that money, but we bought that house and then went through closing costs and all that. And then, um, we had a contractor already kind of in mind that we knew who would help us out with that, who we had talked to before. So we bought the house. Then we went through with the contractor, looked through the house, see how much work it would need and how much work we wanted to put into it and kind of priced that up from looking at the flooring to replacing the appliances in the house, the stove, the refrigerator, um, microwave lights, you know, paint. Um, and then we look downstairs and try to figure out, all right, can we, the downstairs was unfinished. So we're like, all right, can we finish the downstairs area? Right. And, um, made sure kind of looked into, all right, is the water heater good? Is, you know, um, AC and HVAC good, right. And is it running functionally, right. Is it enough to where we don't need to fix that? And that's a risk you kind of take sometimes, you know, when you go into buying a house, cause a lot of times like, when we were buying it, it was kind of like, hey, you buy it as is, right, with the, the wholesale, right? You don't buy it with like, hey, no, I want to no. do, you know, check, get the house inspected. So you buy it as is and you fix what you have to fix from there. Um, so we did all that stuff. Uh, we priced it out and it cost a decent amount, right? So we had our loans ready for that and we had our, you know, put our own money into that and everything like that to make sure we covered all those costs. But we knew we were going to make it back on the back end. Right. Um, uh, but realistically, I'll be honest, right. It, it ended up once you put everything in, it came out to about 90, like 95, right. For in total of everything. So about 40 K ish for everything that we put into the house and with closing costs and all that stuff is what it actually cost us. Right. And then, um, to, to get all the remodeling done and everything done. And one of the things I learned is just, you know, we got the contractor, we picked out all the things that we were going to do for the flooring and everything. And, you know, just being mindful of, you know, making sure the contractors were doing what you wanted them to actually do and buying the right, you know, uh, is, is, you know, equipment or any, even the right uh, products for what they wanted to do. Cause at first we actually ran into an issue where they did the flooring wrong. They brought the, we, we wanted vinyl, um, like floor boards and they bought like just vinyl, like sheets and put it over. And it was like all crooked. I was like, yo, we didn't ask for this. How do you handle that? So it was a situation where we talked to them like, Hey man, we, you know, we didn't ask for this. You know, this is not what we wrote down and what we contracted out. So can you, you know, go back and fix this. And then it ended up being, they're like, Oh no, you got to pay this much more to do that. I was like, but you guys messed this up, man. So I was like, yeah, I was yeah, like, we're not, fix that? yeah, we, we, we price this in. So then it ended up being a situation where 
we worked out a deal where they'll do a little bit more work to fix something else, right, to make it a little bit better. And then they ended up, uh, we gave a little bit of money to do this, but they also did and fixed some other stuff in there for us that would have cost us more. So it kind of evened out in, in that way. And then after that, once everything was finished up, the appliances, we went to, we started looking for used appliances in Baltimore, went to a store, bought a, looked at a couple of different appliances, worked a deal out with them and talked to them. Hey, we'll buy this, we'll buy that. And a lot of times it's, you know, I, my big go-to is like, hey, man, I'm, uh, we're doing this a lot, right? So we're going to buy from you guys a lot. But I'm not doing this a lot. I just say that, right? We, this is something we do all the time. So we're going to buy from you guys a lot. And they sometimes cut us a deal, right? And be like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, we're bringing the price down. Because a lot of it ends up being negotiating when you, you buy from these you know, use places and everything because there's no actual value price. This is only what the company who owns it wants to put it out for. So we bought the fridge and all that stuff, put it in. And then when we went to go sell it, uh, we had a, my, my, my friend who I was partnering with this had a real estate agent in mind. They put it on market and everything. We in, initially tried to make a good buck for it. So we put it on market for like 140 right? And quick break from the show to remind you to hit that like and subscribe button. It helps us out and it helps you be notified when we have new content get released. So again, please hit that like and subscribe button if you enjoy this content. And with that, let's get back to the show. We were like, all right, let's see if this hits. And then it goes around. We had one deal come through. Then, you know, the thing is once they, somebody, you know, makes an offer for it, they have to go through all the background and checking to make sure all right can they actually afford the house and all that stuff so first deal went through did we, we, we somebody offered right away to buy they were coming internationally and then it didn't work out after they did all their like they checked their income and all that stuff it didn't end up working out so then that backfired and then went back on market now our realtor is like hey you know you guys have it on market now for two weeks now somebody it was on contract and it was saying under contract now it's not under contract probably gonna have to drop the price so we dropped the price right now it's down to, I don't know what it was I think it was like 130 whatever it was and then did it again right somebody came through said they were offered same thing happened again right it didn't work out yeah so then we dropped the price a little bit more not as much and then finally somebody was like hey we'll buy the house um we'll, we'll do this we'll do that and we're like all right cool and uh then they started kind of nickel and diamond us. They were pros at this. They they buy houses like this and run it out. The company we were buying it from, so they knew what they were doing. They found every and they were they were playing us and trying to and they they hustled us a little bit. I got a lot. They they were like they try to figure out. All right, like oh no, we don't want this. And we can do this anytime. They were like, all right, we're back out. You good? You have it. If you don't do this for us, we'll back out. And we're like, man, like and it's not, now it's like they three months. Into, it's like three months into it. So I'm like, I don't want to keep holding this house because every week a realtor's like hey over time you're gonna have to keep just dropping the price of the house maybe we take this deal it's not where we originally wanted to but you're 100 gonna make profit right so like, All right, cool. so we do that and then we you know end up selling the house we make a pretty decent profit off of it still right we you know pay back everything that we needed to and we still have a good profit um and that was the kind of story that i have from my first real estate and i would do it again it, it, it did take the one thing I say it did take, you know, luckily it was only 10 minutes away from work and where I, where, where I live. So it was easy for me to go. All right. I got lifted 10 a.m. at 730. I'm going to go check on the contractors. I know they work and start to work at eight. 
right? See how everything's going over there, right? And then on days where I finish up with work early, all right, I'm going to go swing by real quick, just check on it. They might be working at 5.30 and just see how it's going. All right, cool, everything's good. And we would, you know, check in every so often just to make sure everything's going smoothly and all that stuff like that. But um, overall, I would do it again. I just think it is, a, you know, the one thing I say, um, and I got this from the Rich Dad Poor Dad book, is that you make your money when you buy the property, right, in a weird way. Because it's, it's, you got to buy it at the right price. The only reason we made money is because we got it at such a decent deal, right? Because we Cause knew you used the wholesaler. Who yeah, we used the wholesaler. We found somebody on Facebook Marketplace who was putting it up there, wholesaling it. And we knew that the rest of the neighborhood was also selling or had recently sold for about 120-ish, right? So it was actually in the range that we like. We, we ended up selling around that range, and like we knew, okay. So it does sell in that neighborhood. People are living in that neighborhood. And we drove, I mean, there was plenty of times I drove around the neighborhood and checked it out and, um, and, and everything like that just to see how it was like. And, but I knew people were living there, right? And it wasn't just an abandoned building. It was just one house that was kind of broken down and abandoned, but... So for you, would you do this if you didn't have the ability to drive and check on it? Like if our listeners are saying, hey, I've got a friend, I have a cousin who lives in the other side of the country, you know, would you feel as comfortable? Would you recommend it? Again, this is not financial advice. This is two people talking, but because you've done it before, would you, would you not? Uh, I think if you... You got to trust the other person. And if you're just giving them their money, hey, you invest my money into this. And they, you know that they do this for a living, right? Cool, right? You know that they do this and they can, they're saying, hey, yeah, if you invest this, I'll be able to return you something, right? And it's just whatever deal you work out with. If they guarantee you some kind of return, cool. If it's your cousin and he does this for a living, like, hey, man, if you want to get in on this, yeah, I'll take, if you want to put in some money for this, I'll give you some kind of return out of it. Now, you're not there, so, I mean... Correct. You don't know you what everything's going on. You got to have some, yeah, a little bit more faith. Um, you know, I think that's an easier way if you're just trying to invest your money, right? And you know somebody who really does it for a living and has proven background of success with it. Um, maybe it's worth it, but it just depends on each situation. So can people start asking you to do it because you've got proven success? <laughs> I, have one, I have one success, one success. And I owe that more to my friend more than anything because he had done it before. He was kind of showing me the ropes with everything. And, I, you know, um, he lived down in Virginia. I'm up in Baltimore. So, you know, it was it was kind of a relationship where, like, hey, we found a good property in the middle. He knew I wanted to do it. He was like, hey, we found the property. Let's do it. I can check in on it a lot more if you show me the ropes on everything. And that was kind of the deal we worked out with it. And uh, so, yeah, that's kind of the real estate journey I had. Now with the other thing that I, I look into is a little bit more in uh, the, you know, the stock market. Um, and that got really popular by retail traders again during COVID time period. And everybody was like, all right, you know, we can make yep. some money in that, that time period and, and invest our money into you know, something that could produce, be lucrative later on. Um, and I studied it for a while and I, and I got into a little bit more of, you know, options, which is risky. You know, it, it is risky. I've lost money. I've made money and in both of it. But the one thing that I really took away from it, I think understanding a little bit more is that a lot of us do invest in the market or have a fund that's investing in the market um, or have individual stocks that we own. And I think understanding the, the option side of things and understanding the market can better help you hedge your investment and understand 
if something negative is going to happen, you know, two mirrors of this collapse, how you can protect your investment a little bit more. You just said the word collapse and any of our strength coaches maybe have seen the movie, the big short. And I know, you know, the word short and put, and again, I know nothing about this. So what is those things? What are those? So again, from a strength coach's perspective, everybody, this is not financial advice. We are just two friends talking. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, from a when I you talk about options just in general, I know I just threw that out there like everybody knows it, but it's it, options are basically um, almost a derivative of a stock, right? To a certain extent, right? So you can technically buy an options contract, and an options contract is worth technically a hundred shares of a stock, but you don't technically own it. It's like you're renting it. You have to pay premium on it, and you only own that stock for. A certain time period it could be a week it could be two weeks it could be three weeks it could be four weeks it could be a year out it could be two years out right and you pay a premium to buy that contract if you buy one contract it's 100 shares that contract is equal to 100 shares if you buy two contracts you get 200 shares that's just how it works it works in hundreds um and you could buy that for a, a different span of time now depending on the span of time the longer the span of time you want to own it the more money it's going to cost you to rent it, right? It's it's almost like, um, to a certain extent, it's like, kind of like a, if you're gonna rent it for an Airbnb or a hotel for a day, to a week, to a month, it's gonna cost you money. Now, the relative price does get cheaper the longer you go out, but it's still more pricier, right? It might be, hey, they might be charging you $125 a day for a daily thing, but for a weekly, it might be $100 a day, right? If you rent it out for a week. And that's kind of how they do with the options contract right over time and what you pay is called a premium so if i want to buy like say apple right i might say the way it works is if i want to buy an options contract i think and there's two ways options work you can buy calls or you can buy puts right and a call means that the stock you think the stock is going to go up right and if you buy puts you think the stock is going to go down right and so if I'm trying to, let's say, buy a call on a stock and say Apple is trading at $130 right now, which is not, but just put it in there, right? It's trading at $130. And I think, hey, in the next three months, I think Apple is going to go up. And I can't afford to buy 100 shares of Apple at $130 a share, right? Because that's $13,000, right? I can't afford to do that. But if I want to own it and rent the stock, in a way, I call it renting just to kind of say it. Yeah. If I don't want to rent the stock for three months, right, contract, that might cost me, I don't know, $1,200, right? So I might say, hey, I want to buy Apple at the, the way they use it. You can buy it at, you know, the 131 strike price. If you think it's going to get to 131, you can buy it at the 132, 133, 134, 135, whatever they have on that whatever brokerage you're using they have different option chains which you can click on to be like i want to buy it at, for this price this price this price all right the farther away you get from where the stock is actually trading so the stock's trading at 130 right that's going to be the most expensive because that's the most realistic if you buy farther away like at the 140 right that's you saying that i think the stock's going to move ten dollars within three months it's going to be cheaper to buy that because it's not likely that it's going to happen right it's more of a move that the stock has to make to happen right but if i say i want to buy the 131 it's a likelihood it could move one dollar 
So it's going to be more expensive, the premium, right? So basically, if I think the stock's going to go up, I'm thinking, all right, in three months, the stock, I think, is going to hit 137 or 138 is what I'm thinking. It's going to go up. But I don't know if the new iPhone came out, the new something came out. I think it's going to go up. Uh, so I buy maybe the 131, right, for three months, strike price. And that means that, you know, I own that, I rent that stock for the three-month period. And if it goes, let's say, in two weeks, it goes up to 137, right? Now, I own that stock for three months, right? And I'm saying that contract that I'm buying, that 131, is basically saying that if the contract at the end of the three months the stock is at 137 or 140 or whatever it is, right? And it goes up and I have that 131 contract. I have the option to buy the stocks at 131 if I wanted to, even though the stock is trading at 137, 140 or whatever it is, right? I can now still buy it at 131. And right when I buy it, I'm already in profit, right? Is the kind of general consensus of how options work, right? You have the so option. So somebody would be like, hey, this worked out. I thought it'd go up. It went up more than it did. Yeah. I'm going to buy it. It does cost me the $13,000 or yeah. the imaginary number. But realistically, it's actually worth taking a quick break from the show to talk to you guys about our sponsor, Team Builder. If you have any online training platform needs, Team Builder is the go to place. Team Builder has the ability to integrate with velocity based training tools. They have the ability to program and have notes and videos for all of your athletes and your clients. This is your number one stop shop. Been using it since 2019 when I was working at Towson. So I've used it, love it. Make sure you check it out. Go ahead, click the link down in the description. And with that, let's get back to the show. $20,000. So I'm going to find a way to buy it for 13 and then sell it immediately to the, uh, to what the actual market price is. And now I've just made money. Exactly. Right. And the other way that it works is that you don't have to wait for that three months to end though. Right. Oh, really? So like, let's say it's in that, within that three months, within the first two weeks, it gets to 140, right? That option contract I bought at 131 has valued has now increased because now it's moved in the money is what it says, right? The strike price of where the stock is currently trading is five or six dollars above from where I bought it from. So now that contract that I have is now worth more money, right? It's like saying, it's like, for example, if we use real estate, you bought a house in- You bought that same house for the You same bought price. that same house. Like, let's say I bought that house that I was talking about and all of a sudden they opened a Whole Foods and a mall right next to it, right? And I bought that house. I didn't sell it, but I have the house. I have the contract, I have the lease and all that stuff right? and all that stuff, um, the deed to the house. And all of a sudden, all these things get opened up. And now that contract, that deed, everything, the, pr the price value of that house goes up as well, right? Now I can sell. So again, the stock went up, right? I have the contract. I can sell that contract for that, if that makes sense, at a higher price. Yeah, it actually kind of, the fact that we talked about the real estate before, yeah. it kind of actually, it should, it helps me. Yeah. Hopefully it helps other people. Yeah, it's, it's like the wholesaling. It's a better example would be like the wholesaling. You have the contract, yeah. the house, right? You didn't do any work on it. You didn't do anything. But all of a sudden, people built all around it and the houses next to it all go up. So you have this contract, you wholesale it for a higher price. Because, yeah, because in yeah. theory, you're buying the house because you're betting that the value of the neighborhood is going up. The same thing that you did with the stock. You think the value is going up. Yeah, yeah. So that's basically what it ends up, the premise being is that 
you buy it and now you bought kind of a stock and you can again if i wanted to hold this stock for a year i would pay more of a premium to hold that stock for a year but it wouldn't be 13 you know thousand dollars if the stock is true if i wanted 100 shares you don't have to do 100 shares you could just buy the stock normally too and just buy 20 shares or whatever like that but with options they work in hundreds so that's just kind of how it works out so uh, what's the opposite end of it a call now, right so the call is what i was just talking about that means okay, the, so what's a put? the put it means you're bearish on the market right which means so the way they word it is you know if you're bullish on the market you think it's going to go up if it's, you're bearish on the market you think it's going to go down and if you're bearish on the market you might buy a put which means that you think the stock is going to drop um to a, a certain price right or essentially you think that the quality of the neighborhood like you wouldn't buy a house in this neighborhood because you like it's not going well yeah, or it, it might be looking at all right the market is bad right now for the housing market i'm gonna wait to buy the house and wait for the price to drop and then i'll buy the house right right okay. rather than buy yes. me this price right so it's like all right i'm gonna you know buy this put because I think the stock's going to drop. They had bad earnings report or something happened at the company. The, the new iPhone titanium wasn't as cool as everybody thought. The titanium sucked. Yeah, exactly. So now I buy maybe the 129 put, right, for three months out. And it works the same way, right? In three months, I could now, if I, I could own basically what it would be if the stock drops to, I don't know, 120, and I buy the yeah, 120. Good, nice, 120. nice round number. That helped me out. Thank you. And and if it's 129, I bought the stock price or the the put for right. Okay. It's the same thing as being able to kind of be like, all right, like I now make money because that contract is going down or whatever because the stock went down. I'm saying I'm selling it at 129, no matter what, rather than at 120. Right. So I locked in that price at 129 by buying that put. So even if it's at 120, I can still sell it for 129. And somebody has to buy it from you in theory again. Some yeah. person would have to buy it from you at 129 instead of 120. Yeah. So like the way it works is that when you think about why would somebody do that though in theory? Though? So somebody made it may have made a bet the other way. Right. Gotcha. So the way it works is when you have puts and calls, it, it is the same contract somebody is buying and somebody is selling uh -huh. right somebody's buying somebody's selling it's just it's it gets really it's really it's really it gets deep into it so i don't want to get like it's yeah, no, we're not, again we're not getting yeah. deep again remember i've said it four times i'm saying it five this is not financial advice this yeah. is a recorded conversation between friends so but do your own research people and yeah do your own reason because I, I even I'm, I'm not the best at explaining this all things i just know it you've done a really good job man way better than me yeah. but the one thing i will say the one thing that i take the most out of if i had to give one takeaway from it that i've done the most now is that any stocks that i do own right the one thing you can do now i talked about buying calls and buying puts you can also sell puts and sell calls like i said there's it's kind of you can buy it but there's also a seller on the other end right so if you're if you're like hey i love apple but and you've already like you you have apple or it's maybe you even have stock options as part of because as strength coaches we have benefits package and you have a 401k and blah 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 so maybe you have some stocks and you you could then sell your things i guess yeah so like so for example right if i'm buying the contract right that's because um you know, I want to buy this at this price, right? 
and I'm, I'm renting this stock. I want to buy it at this price, though, and actually own it, right? Now, the opposite is true. Say I own 1300 uh, or I own, I spent $13,000 to buy Apple at $130, you know, right? Now I have, I actually own 100 shares, right? These are yeah. my, I spent that money. What I can do now is I can say, hey, I'm going to sell a call option, right? And I think I'm willing to sell it at 135 right the stock's at 130 if they say you know in two weeks i think the stock's gonna hit 135 so i do a two-week contract where i'm selling i'm saying i'm gonna sell the 135 strike price contract you got to sell it at that even if it goes to 140 right yeah i have to sell it at that even if it goes to 140 so now i've locked in that contract say the contract goes up to 137 in two weeks right now what you get when you sell though, like now I'm selling that contract at 135. So I made technically $500, right? Cause $5 times a hundred shares, right? Cool. I made $500, but I also make the premium from selling this. So when you sell, you get credited, right? Money. So like when I told you about the premium that when I'm buying a contract, I pay money to rent that stock, right? I get, yeah, yeah. I have to pay premium to do this. When you sell, you immediately in your brokerage say that 135, they're like, all right, it's going to cost you or it's going to credit you, sorry, $200 if you are willing to sell this contract in two weeks if it hits 135 So they'll credit me $200, right? And yeah, then like, they're getting it. the money from the person who's buying the premium. Yeah, yeah. So they like that. So somebody is might have spent $200. On the other end, somebody spent $200 to you're buy the call, yeah. right? So they'll credit me that, right? And I, I get that $200. And plus, I get the 500 that the stock sold for. So I get the premium and I get the 200. So I made 700, right? So essentially, the stock could have moved one to 137 and I could have sold it just straight up. And that would be the same thing, if that makes sense, right? Yeah, it does. And then, so I think um, that's the interesting thing about hedging your stock. And that's where I think if, if you think, all right, hey, the market's kind of going bad. I own this stock. I'm willing to make a profit off of it. Right. I might sell premium each week if my stock has weekly options and be like, all right, I'm going to sell a little 133. Right. If it hits 133, great. It hits 133. I'll buy it back maybe if it drops to 132. Right. And then I do the same thing the next week. I'll sell it for maybe say 132 now and I sell it the contract. I say, hey, I'm going to sell this option contract if it hits 135. Say it doesn't hit 135 now though. Right. I still get the premium. Say the premium for that. To the credit I was given to sell the contract or put myself in the contract to sell at that price, say it goes up to 134, but it doesn't hit 135. I still move up with the stock, right? I still get $2 more, but I also get to keep the premium because it didn't break past that strike price. And I wasn't uh, basically called in, right? To is what they called it, right? And your option was actually, you know, called in and somebody actually bought that from you. Because nobody's going to buy it if they said they want to buy it, if they're selling that contract. The, on the opposite end, the buyer is like, I want to buy it at one, I'm willing to buy it at 135 if the product goes up. But if it's at 134, why would I buy it at 135? That makes sense? Correct. They took a loss, right? But you still get that premium that they paid to make that bet that I think it will go up above 135.
So you keep that premium at the end of the day, right? And yeah, that, it's super interesting. Yeah, and I think what it, what it does though is a lot of people they put their money in the S and P or whatever like that, and they would look for the eight to ten percent return. But if you own a stock anyway, and you plan to just own the stock, and you have over a hundred shares, you might as well just kind of hedge it and sell maybe a monthly or a weekly premium and be like, hey, if it hits this number, I'll sell it. And or if it hits this number, like say I have a I don't know I own a stock that is a thousand dollars right and the premium as the stock as the value of the stock goes down the premiums are probably usually cheaper too right so like let's say i have ford and it's trading at you know ten dollars and i have a hundred shares so i spend a thousand dollars to buy ford right say if i think it hits eleven dollars i'll sell right ten to eleven dollars is one dollar right technically i just made ten percent yeah Right. And I made I might make that in maybe a week. And now let's say I don't say it doesn't hit eleven dollars. I still get the premium, which might be all right, ten dollars. Maybe I get a premium of ten dollars. Now ten dollars from that, from a thousand dollars that I spent in, all right, well that's one percent I made in that week. And if I keep doing that, I might make one percent, one percent, one percent, two percent. You could potentially make fifty-two percent. Yeah, you can make a little bit more, and it, and it's a way to also say that all right, say the stock starts dropping, right? But I've been selling this premium. Now I'm collecting money while I'm selling this premium. The stock is dropping. I actually didn't realize any loss because I sold premium for the last I don't know four weeks, and the stock now dropped a dollar, but I made that dollar back by selling premium. It, it, again, this is a this is something you got to research on your own, probably the most yeah, part. Like this, listen again, yeah. anybody else? I'll say it again. This is not financial advice because it ain't like I'm not about to go do any of this. It's still way over my head. Like, yeah. so y'all gonna have to go get an MBA before you decide to actually do that. Yeah, but it's it's something you could do if you already own the stock. You might as I I, I like, that's the biggest thing that I try to do is if I already own the stock, I'm gonna try to hedge it. So in case it does drop, I'm selling premium on top of it. I'm not losing money if it does drop or as much money if it does drop well the way that i look at it too is like <clears throat> i want to have these conversations for strength coaches to like okay let's let's spark some interest and then like hey go and research this too on your yeah. own rather than like don't just go and mindlessly play a video game or just watch it like don't go binge a tv show like you've always seen a tv show like why don't you go and learn something that could actually help your family and your children you know because you have a little bit more financial freedom like that's the whole goal of it so Exactly. That's, that's super insightful. Exactly. And I think, you know, over time, it took, I've been just slowly kind of when I get some free time. Yeah, you said night, COVID. It's, I mean, this yeah. is three years later. COVID, three. And I've, been, and I've learned more and more and more, you know, there's certain, there's so many people who teach this as well. There's a lot of courses that are memberships that have like courses that teach this stuff. And that's what I did up front. I kind of joined a Discord and they had some videos on there just doing basically in YouTube. Oh my God, YouTube's got a million videos on there to, you search anything option basics and they'll teach you some of this stuff just to understand the basics of everything goes on in the stock market. And again, if you are invested, I think the biggest thing is like, all right, know all the tools you have so you could protect your money, I think is the biggest thing. I look at it more now with options as a way to hedge my long-term investments in case something bad does happen, you know, but Appreciate you, man. It is uh, almost three o'clock your time. You yep. uh, go ahead and finish up your day, man. This has been fun for me to get to see you again. I miss you, brother. Um, thank you for dropping some knowledge on us. All right, bro. I'll catch you.